Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Straight out of Cobham, transfer window spectacular. Today, a full deadline day roundup from Aubameyang to Zakaria, suffering in Southampton, winning against West Ham, question mark, and quite the quandary in the quiz. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Out of Cobham. Here we are then, listener, a day later than scheduled because the transfer window was gently pulled into the locks position at 11pm last night, UK time. We're going to talk that. We're going to talk Southampton, West Ham too, and do a quiz. Uh, the we in question and me, Matt Davis-Adams. I'm joined by the Athletic Simon Johnson. Morning, Simon. Good morning. I'm feeling fresh as a daisy. <laughs> Is it a relief today for journalists? Oh, every every time. <laughs> yeah, you know that that clock on the uh, on Sky Sports News. We're looking at it just as you know, sort of excitedly, stroke with dread, stroke with oh, please, just hurry up and end as the all the uh, clubs do. So um, yeah, be be relieved to turn it on today and see no clock, no yellow tickers for a few weeks. Please. No yellow tickers, no Sky. sort of breaking news. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a lively one. It always seems to be with Chelsea, but great stuff. Certainly has, certainly does. We'll run through all the transfers shortly. Uh, Sam Parkins with us too. Sam, you actually had a deadline day move before such a thing was fashionable. I did, from Chelsea to Oldham Athletic. And um, I'd already had a couple of loans that season. I thought that the Chelsea hierarchy thought I was quite content to just be playing out the season at Harlington and in reserves. Unknown to them, I had a girlfriend who lived just outside Rochdale at the time. So when the hierarchy at Chelsea called me in that afternoon, he said, do you fancy going to Oldham for three months? I said, yes, I do. <laughs> and off, off I went back to my mum's, packed my bags, and I was uh, out on the tiles in Greater Manchester within a few hours. Beautiful. Bouncing to Boundary Park in a way that nobody has done before <laughs> or since. All right, well, for the last time this year, let's talk transfers. Okay, this is the full list of ins and outs for Chelsea in this summer window. In, Eddie Beach, Raheem Sterling, Kaladu Koulibaly, Amari Hutchinson, Gabriel Slanina, Carney Chukwemeka, Mark Kukurea, Cesare Cassade, Wesley Fofana, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Denis Zakaria. Out, Antonio Rudiger, Andreas Christensen, Danny Drinkwater, Charlie Musonda, Jake Clark-Salter, Lucas Bergstrom, Romelu Lukaku, Nathan Baxter, Ethan Wadey, Ian Martin, Tino Andrin, Levi Colwell, Timo Werner, Malang Sar, Emerson, Ross Barkley, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Baba Rahman, Xavier Umbayama, Xavier Simons, Ethan Ampadu, Harvey Vale, Kennedy, <laughs> Billy Gilmore. <laughs> there we go. Plenty of transfers there. Lots of loans in the mix there as well. We'll talk about a few of them. Uh, Wesley Fofana to start then, Simon. It finally got done. He arrived aiming a passing shot at Brendan Rodgers. But this was the one that, that Chelsea really wanted, so that they'll be thoroughly thrilled to get some defensive reinforcements, which, as we saw at St Mary's on Tuesday, are quite desperately needed. Yeah, um, 
someone with a bit of pace in 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 the legs, um, because the the defence has been looking on some occasions, including Southampton, quite slow. So for Farner's youthful energy, he's much needed back there. Uh, I think the, the significant thing about this deal, uh, the owners have have copped a lot of stick. This sort of impression that they're just willing to pay whatever is asked and, and not being that tough uh, negotiators. Well, the Fafana deal sort of shows that they do have some strong negotiation uh, ability because Leicester were looking for a world record fee for a defender. They wanted to beat the Harry Maguire deal when he joined Manchester United for £80 million three years ago. Um, and they've ended up getting him for £69.5 million, so I'm told, all in, as in including add-ons and everything. So, you know, that, that, that's a, a victory of sorts in a, in a record, club record <laughs> um, transfer window for them. Uh, if you want to know more about Fofana, by the way, our friend Dominic Fifield has profiled him for The Athletic. Uh, the piece includes the memorable quote from Wesley, I was sick everywhere. It was gross, gross, gross. Uh, there's a little tease for you. If you if you want any more of that, then please read the full article. Uh, what about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang then, Sam? This one came late on yesterday. He's not going to play for a while because of that horrible attack that, that happened at his house and has left him with a broken jaw. Again, a piece up on The Athletic today explaining where he might fit into the Chelsea team. What do you see him doing? Is he is he a starter? Is he an impact sub? Is he the man who's going to get 20 goals wearing number nine for Chelsea at last? I think you have to hope he's that, Yeah. Just thinking this morning, it might it might alter where Sterling has to play. Think of that that cup final when he, he almost won single handedly. Well, that cup he almost won single handedly for Arsenal when he scored those two goals against Chelsea, and he likes that pulling out to the left hand side. So maybe it means Sterling would would have to play on the the opposite side that play on the right hand side and a Mason Mount and another could play tucked in off the left if they're going to play the front three. But yeah, I think you're going to have to hope he's that. He's scored 20 plus goals in, in two seasons in the Premier League. Thomas Tuchel knows him very well. Um, there's been a lot said about his demeanour, his attitude at Arsenal um, towards the tail end, which isn't brilliant. But Thomas Tuchel's worked with him very successfully in the past and, and maybe there just wasn't that relationship there between Arteta and Aubameyang. That happens. If a player's not having the manager, you're not going to pull your weight at all times, maybe. So hopefully Thomas Tuchel can can really get the, the best out of Aubameyang and he is proven. So I don't know. I think this is... We're probably there now looking at it thinking, oh, there's a couple of areas Chelsea could have strengthened. But I think on the face of it, to get two of the best young defenders in the Premier League, to get a proven midfield creator, goal scorer, forward player in Sterling and Aubameyang, I think that's pretty good going considering there was so much upheaval in the last six months. Just just want to chip in quickly. I feel like I should because obviously the last podcast I was quite um, negative about the chances of Chelsea signing him. And it just shows how things change in a transfer window and perhaps how results can dictate a change of thinking. Because, as I said on, on Monday straight out of Cobham, it was very much the thought, no, he doesn't fit in, we're not sure about this, the deal's not right. So I was led to believe it. Um, and then come <laughs> Wednesday morning, after Chelsea laboured an attack yet again, it led to... 
a second change of heart <laughs> and suddenly actually no let's revisit this and get it done so um it, it just shows how of course i'll be accused of being wrong but um i know for a fact that uh things basically changed in the space of 48 hours they, they did manage to talk them down on the fee a little bit though by the looks yeah. of it, right yeah and also Bamiang's contract uh, instead of a straight three years, it's a two years plus plus an option for a third, which is performance related. So there was a little bit of negotiation as well. But I think Chelsea really, with no choice, had no choice but to go out and sign a forward because of the struggles up front. I mean, Havertz has started five, not scored, not assisted, struggled, laboured and... Clearly, Tuchel is is not willing to trust Armando Broya from the start just yet. So let's just hope Aubameyang, you know, if he can avoid Sky Sports cameraman, can uh, can deliver goals on a regular basis for Chelsea because they 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 really do need it if they're going to achieve their ambitions this season. Now Simon, the one that I think caught us all by surprise was Dennis Zakaria coming in on loan from Juventus. Understand there's an option to buy there. Swiss international midfielder did well in the Bundesliga with Gladbach, maybe not so well with Juventus. How did this one come about? Well, essentially because, um, again, he, he wasn't first choice either. Um, Edson Alvarez was the one they, they really pushed for. in it. Well, of course, De Jong, if you sort of, document the whole window, De Jong was, was, was really who they wanted for midfield. That didn't happen because obviously Barcelona weren't prepared to do the the huge wages he was owed. But then they were really keen on Edson Alvarez of, of Ajax. Um, the problem with that one though was that Ajax didn't have enough time to find a replacement. They of course had already uh, lost a few players this summer, including Anthony going to, to Manchester United. So they were pretty clear, even though Alvarez was desperate for the move, all, all the talk about him missing training on deadline day, except to try and force it through, um, it just didn't work. Um, so essentially, Chelsea were in a position of, right, we're in a rush. We've got to, we've got to find someone, and and this is who they found. I mean, it's it's uh, <laughs> I mistakenly typed his name as Zakira when he was actually officially announced, and that. That led to a lot of bants on uh, Twitter about Shakira. Um, but uh, but hopefully, uh, our cheesy pun alert, the hips don't lie. And um, he uh, he delivers in midfield for Chelsea because that has been another alarming position so far this season. I mean, Jorginho is managing to look even slower than he normally does. And Gola Conte, of course, is out for quite a few more weeks. Kovacic isn't match fit. Loftus-Cheek picked up an injury at Southampton. Uh, despite all this, it just shows how much Billy Gilmore is rated by Thomas Tuchel that he's been allowed to join Brighton. Um, so they had to bring someone in. Yeah, I mean, early indications are he's, he's a steady Eddie. Um, but I'm not going to get too excited, especially after what we saw from Sound uh, in a similar kind of loan a year ago. Yeah, that seems to have been the um, prevalent thought on uh, Chelsea Twitter last night. Let's hope it's not Saul Part 2. It's just annoying, isn't it, that there's not another Shakira song that's a go-to for a pun other than Hips Don't Lie. Just have a quick look. <laughs> yeah. Whenever, wherever might have worked if, if he signed outside the transfer window, I suppose. But hey, we'll, we'll come up with something, yeah. I'm sure. I'm afraid. What about Wacka Wacka, the uh, the World Cup song? Okay, well, if he if he starts 
smashing shots from 40 yards, maybe we'll be able to bring that in. <laughs> um, some of the outgoings then. Marcos Alonso, Sam. Um, somebody who I think it's fair to say it maybe had a complicated relationship with, with Chelsea and with Chelsea supporters at times. But I'm just looking at his honours one section whilst he was at Chelsea and it's everything. I mean... The guy was an excellent servant to the club. And, and think about that 2016-17 title run. He was one of the key players. <sighs> Complicated with me. D- drove me mad, I, I would say. <laughs> Especially in recent times. Yeah, you want a, I don't know, you want a bit more dynamism from him at times. Especially latterly. But um, some amazing moments. Incredible moments. I think of that goal at Tottenham, the free kick, when Tottenham absolutely battered Chelsea. So the first meeting of them at Wembley, I think it was. And somehow Chelsea got out of there with a 2-1 win and he got both. And the free kick was incredible. And then subsequently, some amazing moments. The one at um, Old Trafford. Um, goals at, uh, against Tottenham at, at the bridge as well. So he's been a brilliant servant. And wh- whatever you think of him or how highly you rated him that change from a back four to a back three under under Conte was it half time at Arsenal or or late on in the second half Um, it's an immortal moment probably in Chelsea history because it gave him and Victor Moses the platform uh, the opportunity to to be such important parts of that title success nobody would have foreseen it so he deserves enormous credit and for you know continuing to be to be steady and a, and a, and a, a safe pick every time he's been called upon by subsequent managers. Uh, Billy Gilmore to Brighton stung uh, Simon, didn't it? Cheap fee. Uh, you feel like maybe you know one day he might come back. Do you know if there's any buyback clause included within this deal? And would Chelsea prefer to loan him out? But obviously they couldn't loan him to Brighton because they've already got Colwell on loan. Well, Liam was sort of on top of this story uh, last night and there were no indications from him that there was a buyback clause, but we'll sort of, sort of see on that card. But I, I can't believe the fee. I, I really can't. Um, you know, I gave the owners kudos for the uh, for the Fafana negotiation, but I, I, don't, I don't understand selling a Scotland international with an incredible amount of potential and ability for just £9 million. You know, especially when you sort of think that they've bought like a promising young Italian midfielder, um, who I promise I will learn his name. Um, Cassaday. Cassaday. See, this is what happens when deals get done when you're on holiday. It's almost (laughs) like they don't exist. Um, For for a lot more. It seems a bit baffling to me, but I think Brighton have got an absolute steal. It's a great move for Brighton. It's a great move for Gilmore. Um, clearly, Thomas Tuchel doesn't doesn't rate him, um, despite anything he might say publicly, um, because if you're not giving him game time in the current situation, then then you never will. Um, from sort of Liam's understanding, or sort of certainly the way it's implied, is that Gilmore was making it pretty clear that he needed to leave, um, understandably so, and and the owners of of giving him his wish. So you could sort of give him credit for that, that they, they weren't willing to to uh, block his path. I don't think Thomas Tuchel was, was begging him to stay, put it that way. But um, but yeah, I, I'm just disappointed about the fee. I, I just think, you know, that they could have perhaps driven a bit of a harder bargain than that. 
Mm, good move for Billy there. You feel like that's probably the perfect landing spot for him. Uh, this one was interesting, Sam. Harvey Vale signing a new contract. He, his was up at the end of this season, so that's good news. He's gone on loan to Hulls. Xavier Simons and Nathan Baxter are there too. Baxter's already uh, been there for the previous couple of seasons. Uh, you're not convinced, though, that this is the best landing spot potentially for Harvey. You might not see too much of the ball based on how Hull have played thus far. Yeah, they've had a they've had a really good start. They've had some incredibly tough games, but um, yeah, they look to me to be very counter attacking. I'm not sure if that's going to continue now that they've had a bit of a splurge uh, around the the window closing. But yeah, we're still they've they've signed a lot of attacking players as well, so he's going to have a lot of competition uh, in that regard. A lot of the the mainstays of the the defence, the midfield, kind of remain from for the previous. Incumbent Grant McCann, wasn't it, uh, in, in the job. So, um, yeah, a lot of competition. But I really like Harvey Vale. I think, you know, even in the PL2 to, uh, draw, sorry, with with Manchester City the other day, didn't have loads of chances, but he invariably finds a way of affecting the game in the final third. I think he's a bit of a leader, kind of that level, always seems to pop up with an important goal or two. So I think it's going to be fascinating to see how he does. I think having that ability to be... They're quite quiet in games, but but really affect it in the final third with a finish or an assist will be translated to probably first team football in the championship. So I'm sure he'll do well. Simon's the the other uh, youngster who's gone there. She just came out of nowhere really to get his debut at, at Brentford. Um, so that'll be another really interesting one because we don't know too much about him. He's done fine in the PL2 when I've seen him. Quite a steady midfield player. Uh, can obviously play right back, right wing back as well. But I would expect Harvey Vale probably to get a few more headlines given what we, we know about him already. Uh, while we're on the youth team, uh, I just want to hear from Jaden Wareham, who has signed for Leighton Orient and uh, described himself in rather unique fashion. I have goals written all over me. I've, I'm positive, I'm confident, and I know that I'll help to keep to keep that stand of being first at the moment and I'm sure that my experience from where I've come from will help the team massively and I hope to score a lot of goals here and get a lot of points on the board. Hakim Ziyech, Simon, we were kind of expecting him to possibly go to AC Milan at the start of the window, then maybe back to, to Ajax. He stays, just just nothing materialised, there wasn't much interest or they couldn't get it done in time? Yeah, I don't, just don't think... Um... Yeah, it got done with with Ajax basically in the end. I mean, the the real clue that something was up was his sudden appearance in the starting team against Southampton. He just went right, okay then, because if if a move was about to happen, then then you wouldn't have thought he'd be he'd be playing. Certainly not starting. Um, I'm sure that went down incredibly well with Christian Pulisic, but uh, but no, it is surprised because Ziyech wanted to leave. It's pretty pretty clear that was that was the case, but yeah, nothing nothing really developed. I, the IX talks were called off. AC Milan was a lot of lot of um, lot of noise, but but nothing really came close. Um, yeah, so ZX stays. I'm, I'm yeah. I, I just feel like we're just kicking the kicking the ball down the road on this one. It'll, it'll all start again in January. Uh, Ross Barkley though had his. Contract terminated by mutual consent. Um, the Ross Barkley tribute section on this pod probably be 
pretty short, although he did score a stoppage time winner on the last day of last season. He did get the, the winner in the FA Cup quarterfinal at Leicester a few years ago, didn't he? But underwhelming. I think we can describe his time as a Chelsea player as. Uh, so Sam thinks it's been a decent window then, Simon. How about you? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's very hard to complain, isn't it? And and certainly Thomas Tuchel can't complain, I don't think. Club record um, outlay on players. I, I, I still sort of I'm concerned about sort of the attacking side hasn't really been resolved. You know, they lost Rudiger, Christensen, and they're always going to lose Alonso. Emerson was sort of being considered out of the two of them as someone to stay. But once they got Kukurela, then then obviously he could go as well. So they, they, they've replaced the players that needed replacing for an awful lot of money with nothing coming back, apart from a little bit for Emerson. But yeah, going forward, sort of Sterling and Aubameyang. So far, you just sort of think that that's not going to fix Chelsea's attacking problems. It's, it's a start, but it's not going to fix it. So I think I've I've said before on the pod, it's going to take more than one window to fix this squad, and that remains the case. All right, work to do in January, potentially then. But that's it. Farewell, transfer window, summer twenty twenty two. You were expensive. Oh no, we've got to review this Southampton game next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Saints 2, Chelsea 1 on Tuesday, then Chelsea ahead through Raheem Sterling, but behind by half-time. Another troubling performance away from home for Thomas Tuchel's team. Simon was there and sent us this upbeat, life-affirming voice note. Well, there goes my 100% records. Before coming to Southampton, it had been played 2-1-2 as far as I was concerned, watching Chelsea this season, but my 100% record is gone after a pretty abject showing here at Southampton. Players are walking off now. Broyer is the last one down the tunnel. Of course, he's got uh, affection for Southampton. He's just thrown his shirt into uh, the Southampton fans. They seem happy to receive it. But more questions of this Chelsea team after what was a very disappointing performance. Um, got off to a good start with Raheem Sterling, although he should have scored one, perhaps two, uh, before actually putting Chelsea in front. But instead of building from that, Chelsea actually got worse. And it was Southampton who took control of the game and never really let it go. Uh, another goal conceded from a set piece. And Chelsea just looked slower than their opponents everywhere across the pitch. I mean, the pitch isn't the best. There's a disease on it, apparently. Well, it looks like a bit of a disease in the Chelsea squad. Looks real lacking in confidence ideas, belief going forward and, and confidence in the back. 
and uh, you have to say after five games it's now a very disappointing start to the season they haven't played very well in most of the games apart from Tottenham and of course they didn't win that game so there's a couple of days of the window to go and of course by the time this um, voice note is heard the window would have shut but it seems that despite Chelsea being the big spenders in the window so far they actually need more money spent on this squad because uh, they look a shadow of the team that were title contenders or tend to be title contenders last season but at the moment they look like they're going to be in a real battle just to get fourth spot uh, Raheem Sterling was uh, really looking absolutely gutted at the final whistle what a difference he must be thinking he's used to challenging for first spot and now Chelsea are languishing in mid-table uh, but no one can have any complaints Southampton with a better side for most of the game and actually looked like they'd win more comfortably uh, than the 2-1 scoreline uh, so Tuchel you have to say pressure's on him a little bit Oh, well, you've had some time to stew on it now, Simon. I mean, it wasn't a good performance, was it? Let's be brutally honest. And, and as you say, kind of kicked into life the, the reignition of the Aubameyang deal. But Chelsea got to be much better than this when they play West Ham on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 sort of the most concerning thing was that it was just exactly the same performance as, as the one at Leeds in many ways, apart from the fact that on this occasion, Sterling did put Chelsea in front and perhaps should have scored two or three, um, which which may have changed the mood. But but Southampton just, they pressed high up the pitch every time Chelsea got on the ball. They pressed them, made their life difficult, and Chelsea looked slow, just didn't look like they could handle it. And what was also alarming was just the, there was one point the game stopped, uh, I can't remember why, but, but you could see all of the players just sort of standing in their positions and they're barely talking to each other. And I was just sort of talking to the athletic Southampton correspondent going, look, they're not even, they're not even geeing each other up. I, I, I found that really alarming. It's almost like they're defeated already. And my, my, my post-match, um, my, my piece on it was, I, I had to sort of raise the question about Thomas Tuchel. In, in the nicest possible way, in that I just find it utterly bizarre that there's a notion of giving him a new contract right now. That's not to say he shouldn't get one down the road, but right now it doesn't make much sense to me because as uh, as at the time I sort of went through the results of every club's uh, not promoted relegate, you know, removing the promoted relegated teams. So 17 clubs, their last 15 games, and Chelsea are ninth in the form table. Um, this is just a continuation of performance and results from the back end of last season, which which finished badly. Um, so I just was like, now's not the time. The priority is fixing fixing this. The last contract he earned, he just won the Champions League and thoroughly deserved a new contract. And obviously he did he did do a good job last season. I still will argue that, uh, even though the season ended in disappointing fashion. But two trophies, two cup finals lost on penalties. Unfortunate to go out to Real Madrid, working under difficult circumstances with the sanctions, etc. But if you were to any other Chelsea manager uh, in the Roman Abramovich era, you can imagine the kind of headlines that might be sort of running at the moment. So 
so yeah, that I'm I'm hoping that um the end of the transfer window, which of course he's had to play a much bigger role in than he's than he would have wanted, he can now concentrate on what he loves doing, which is coaching and, and try and sort of stamp out this malaise that has really sort of creeped into this team. Uh, Sam Tuchel said after the game, it's too easy to push us off the track, too easy to win challenges, too easy to bully us. Is he right? And, and what do players think when managers say that kind of thing about them? Well, he'll be hoping to get a reaction and he, he probably will do in, in this game. Um, I agree with Simon. It was it was odd watching the, the lack of reaction, the lack of aggression, I suppose. I mean, I thought Southampton were good in what they did, but that's a poor team. I mean, I, I, and I don't say this very often. That is not a good Southampton team. I thought they obviously worked incredibly hard. The two centre-halves were magnificent. Two young guys as well. When you think of Bazuno behind them, you know, that's some character, I think. You know, that kind of triangle, having so much inexperience in one position on the pitch. I thought they were great, but they don't really have a creative spark. I'd always associate Southampton under Hasenhutl having a bit of flair in the wide positions. Definitely, and and they they caused Chelsea lots of problems. I thought it wasn't an excuse I heard wheeled out, but I thought the pitch did probably suit them and stop Chelsea from having the control in possession. And I thought I was thinking that a lot in the first half because there were so many balls that Jorginho, Koulibaly, Silva were struggling to just get it from A to B, and that was because the, the ball was jumping off the surface. They couldn't couldn't get hold of it. Their first touches were poor, which you're never going to invariably say about Premier League players. But I thought that was prevalent in the in the first half. So that definitely suited them. But yeah, I mean, the, the lack of reaction was was really evident, um, even with a change at halftime, Kovacic coming on. And I suppose it opened up loads of questions and probably led to the necessity for a defensive midfielder coming in. So I don't know what Simon thinks, but Having Silva and Azpilicueta playing in a four, I think, uh, has worried everyone. Um, so probably you could put Fofana and James in there and things would be looking a lot probably sturdier with a defensive midfield player as well. But I, I wouldn't imagine we're going to see that lineup too often <laughs> moving forward because, you know, the mobility and the, 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 the pressing, the work rate of the Southampton boys uh, was a bit of an eye-opener in that in that first half. But, but still, you know, the other side of it, wasted chances, could have been two up at half time and it could have been a different story. But yeah, it was a it was a bad night. Uh, John Terry certainly wasn't happy about it. He tweeted, I think in anger, which is um which is why there are a few spelling and grammar errors in it. I hate seeing us get beat, angry red face emoji. Southampton, we are very good, but we look unbalanced at the moment. I can't wait for the window to close and get our settled squad team in formation. Blue heart emoji. We miss Reese so much when he doesn't play, twenty-two years old and a future captain in my opinion. Let's spin this on then to the West Ham game, which takes place on Saturday now at 3pm. Um, Simon, Chelsea will be desperate to have Rhys James back. Let's not forget Trevor Chalobah missed Southampton with an injury he picked up against Leicester too. Um, we really do see how pivotal he is. John Terry's right, isn't he? When he's when he's not playing, kind of worrying in a way that your right wing back is your most important player. But my goodness me, they, they really do miss him when he's not there. Yeah, and that will help... Um with contract negotiations. Um, it's the story that I wrote uh, on deadline day that the club have opened talks with Reese and Mason Mount, which doesn't mean that deals are going to get agreed, but it's it, it's promising that, that talks have started. And I wonder if um, 
the demands or the the, the numbers that Reese might be able to get have gone up because of the Southampton game, of course, which he missed through through illness. And Masons have gone down. <laughs> yeah. Um but although Mason Mason may have had an assist or two if um if if Raheem had, had finished those chances. But anyway, yeah, for for James, he didn't have the best of pre seasons and he didn't have the best of end of seasons, you know, getting sent off for England, etc. But but his performance against Leicester just sort of it was like, okay, that you know, this is this is him back to what he does. And apparently he wasn't feeling that great uh for that game either. Which which makes his performance even even more uh, remarkable, but yeah, he he's back in training. He will play against West Ham, and it just makes such a difference. And for Farner coming in, hopefully, also ends this sort of right centre back. I was about to say nonsense. I mean, it's not nonsense, but you want Reese James at right wing back or right back because he's a double double threat. He can negate. Opponents obviously defensively, but as we saw with that cross for Sterling for his goal against Leicester, you know there's no one there's no one else in the squad that can deliver a ball as good as he can. So um, so yeah, massive that he's back for West Ham. Well, that's good news, Sam. In terms of other team changes, might we see a start here for Breuer instead of Havertz? As, as Simon said, Havertz hasn't contributed anything in terms of goals and assists yet. Well, I would put him in, but I'm not a manager. Um, and don't see them every day. But yeah, I think what well, I'll be five games in now. Simon spoke about the you know the lack of goals, assists, or whatever from Havertz and and Mount, who's having a bit of a uh, a poor period for for his standards. Sterling's the one you know carrying it at the moment, really. So I think we saw he didn't have loads of touches. I think people have got a little bit carried away with you know his impact at Southampton. But there was one brilliant run down the right hand side, um, got on the end of a cross and had a headed attempt. So, yeah, I think he'll be getting closer. I think, you know, a game or two into the season, if the forward players are misfiring, then, yeah, just hold him back. But we're five games in now. I think he's close now because he's having an impact. Um, and they're lacking that 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 central striker, really. So Aubameyang's not going to be available for a few games. And you just never know. I said it on the last podcast. I just think if Broya gets an opportunity... He may get goals and he may become an important figure, maybe not to start every game, but to be someone that Thomas Tuchel can trust, you know, to put in for Premier League games. Yeah, he certainly added to me when he came off the bench at Southampton. As for West Ham, got their first win of the season at Villa last weekend, followed that up by drawing it home to Spurs on Wednesday. They've also signed Lucas Paqueta from Lyon for £50 million. He made his debut in midweek. Lastly on this, Simon, is this going to be the last time we see Declan Rice at Stamford Bridge in a West Ham shirt? <laughs> well, you know, cup ties. Um, yeah, um, I'd be amazed if he's still a West Ham player next next year. I think this is uh, he's not going to sign a new deal, and yeah, next summer I think he will be uh, strongly pursued by a few clubs, and I think it's right that he uh, he kicks on to the next level. Yeah, and we all know where we hope that's going to be. Uh, right, we'll reflect on Chelsea versus West Ham in Monday's pub and we'll also have a look ahead to the start of the Champions League. Chelsea going to Croatia on Tuesday night. Next today, though, we quiz. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, three questions each. Um, I mean, we all know the controversy uh, that surrounded last week's edition, according to Sam, if nobody else. So big day in the parking house of this. Hang on a minute. That was the that, that was basically the Chelsea equivalent of losing four to at home to Bradford. And I don't think the victor has been particularly gracious with his victory. <laughs> and now you've given me Man City away in my subsequent fixture. So I'm not holding much hope for this no, against t- Simon. T- today, I, today is a Oh, great... he's been up half the night though. Come on. Today is a really... <laughs> honestly, it's like, what? <laughs> All right, it's Man City away, but it's an EFL Cup tie and Pep's pick the kids then. Um, Simon, you're first. We're doing Chelsea West Ham. I love getting my excuses in early. Yeah, Yeah. Chelsea West Ham, the theme today. Here's your first question, Simon. Who got sent off in this fixture last season? I can't even remember last night, let alone last season. Don't know. Sam, can you steal it? Um, Pulisic scored, didn't he? Late doors at the bridge. And uh, they were down to 10. Mm. West Ham. Stalling, yeah. Um, no, I haven't got it. I'm afraid. Craig Dawson. Oh, hang on. I was going to have a punt. You said I haven't got it. That constitutes oh. an answer, I'm afraid. Um, I was going. I was going Zuma. Okay. <laughs> Here's your first question, Sam. Which current Chelsea player scored a hat trick against West Ham on the opening day of the 2019-20 season? Give it to me again, Matt. Matt, sorry. Which current Chelsea player scored a hat trick against West Ham on the opening day of the 2019-20 season? Nice to hear those birds tweeting in the background. Current no, that's my brain. Chelsea player. <laughs> it's got to be in it. Sterling. Sterling is absolutely correct. Thank goodness. <laughs> You're off the mark. It's 1-0 after one question. It's one of those cleverly phrased questions, isn't it? Ah, oh, thanks. That's a compliment. Because um, sort of, I was sort of going, hang on a minute. <laughs> they didn't play West Ham on the opening day. I know, yeah, yeah. Season. But I used the word current and that was the clever phrasing. Yes. Uh, here's your second one, Simon. How yeah. old was Declan Rice when he was released from Chelsea's academy? He was 14. Oh, spot on. Didn't take long to get uh, Having yeah. written about him, you know. <laughs> all right, fair. Yeah. Um, all right, Sam, number two for you. The father of West Brom's right back got Chelsea's goal in a 2-1 defeat against West Ham at the Bridge in 1994. Name that father. My former teammate and bloody lovely guy, Paul Furlong. Paul Furlong is correct. Very good. Okay, so it's 2-1 to Sam after two questions each. Here's your third, Simon. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think you're going to like this one very much. Uh, in the 1999-2000 season, both league meetings between Chelsea and West Ham had none of something and two of something else. What were those two somethings? I mean, you know, this is just none of, none something. of something and two of something else. Yeah, so you only need the two of something else. So I'll tell you, the none of something were goals. They both finished nil-nil. 
but there were two of something else. One in each game. Red cards. Absolutely correct. Uh, for a million bonus points, can you give me both players you've got sent off? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. Uh, you're close. Igor Stimach and Javier Margas. I'm sure it was on the, the <laughs> Just a million bonus points. <laughs> yeah. All right, Sam. That means uh, that if you get this right, you'll win the quiz. Who scored Chelsea's first home Premier League goal against West Ham? That's it? Yep. <laughs> His face. <laughs> He's not happy. Try and employ some logic uh, is, is the only clue that I'll give you. Just, just First home Premier League goal against West Ham? Yeah. In 1992? No, it wasn't 92. It was um, actually 94. 94. Um. West Ham weren't in the Premier League for the first season. Ninety-four, yeah, ninety-three, ninety-four. Just think about, um, you know, historically. Okay, Lucy's telling me not to give you any more clues. Don't know what you're doing here. I will go for Glenn Hoddle. Simon, you can steal this for the win. Is it a good attempt? At least did it pepper the target? Mm, probably in the same team. So I say it was off target, oh, but it was a shot. Who's playing? Simon was probably there. No. You're not? Not that old. Well, no. Well, not sure about that. 94, 95, right. I uh, appreciate I'll, I'll be quite happy with the points and stop faffing about. Um, <laughs> Dennis Wise. Take the draw. Dennis Wise is incorrect. What's one of the golden rules of a straight out of Cobham quiz? Oh, it's not Darren answer. Barnard, is it? Of course it's Darren oh. Barnard. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> this at the Darren Barnard school, I don't even Can remember. you imagine how happy I was when I saw that, <laughs> when I was on soccer base yesterday? One of the best moments ever. Um, yeah, Darren Barnard was the answer. So it was a Desmond in the end. Uh, nobody gets the win. <laughs> Darren um, Barnard oh, scored. I will, I, will, I will stick that point happily in the boot skip <laughs> and get on the road. Well done. Just remember Darren Barnard. If you're in doubt, Darren Barnard. Oh, if you'd said show. Mal Donaghy, I was just... Uh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> it's always one of the two. Uh, right, uh, draw in that then. Elsewhere in Chelsea News, in terms of the development and under-18 sides this weekend, the Dev squad are away at Everton on Saturday lunchtime in PL2. And the under-18s, they go to Southampton for the second time in as many weeks. This one's in the under-18 Premier League. Cup. Of course, the UEFA Youth League gets underway next week as well. The groups for that mirror the Senior Champions League competition. So Chelsea's under-19s away to Dinamo Zagreb. That is a 12.30 kickoff local time on Tuesday. Uh, Simon, you teased your piece on uh, Mason Mount and Reese James and their contract talks. What else are you going to be working on? And can you tell us a bit more about that, please? Um, there's a big read which Liam has put together, um, which is um, reflecting on the summer window and the the owner's first summer window, just all the the toing and froing, the, the the sort of the craziness of it all. 
Um, so that that's the big that's the big piece. Um, I may be doing something on a Bamiyang yet to confer with my desk because of my rather late start this morning. <laughs> Uh, if you want Aubameyang content already, by the way, listener, uh, the Athletics' Mark Carey and Ahmed Wallet have teamed up to look at Aubameyang's reunion with Tuchel and how he might fit in to the Blues team. So check that out. And uh, as Simon says, Liam's written a review of Chelsea's transfer window, athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up for just a pound a month for your first six months. Uh, Sam, where are you this weekend? Oh, well, I was going to be at Chelsea West Ham, but I was snookered like a lot of other people probably by the uh, the changing date. So uh, I'm doing the Football League highlights show. So hopefully um, a few of the Chelsea loanees notch so I can pretend I'm a font of knowledge. <laughs> yeah, I was just looking where Hull were playing, but it doesn't seem like they're playing on Saturday. So a game Sunday, play. I think. Oh, home to Sheffield United. There you go. Nice local derby for Harvey Vale and Xavier Simons to, to start off with. Tino Andrin also playing on Sunday, home to Blackpool. Let's see if he can replicate what he did last weekend. Two outstanding goals. Go and check those out if you haven't seen them already. Uh, that will do us for today, though. As I say, we'll be back on Monday. We'll be reflecting on what happens against West Ham and looking ahead to the start of the Champions League to do join us for that, if you can. For now, though, from all of us here, it's goodbye. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.